0: Welcome to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast Supplemental Edition. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And I like to call this one Angel's Love Child.
1: (laughs) Faxies.
0: Faxies. Let's, I want to do, I want to keep Marvel fanfare for last because I have a lot to talk about with that issue.
1: Okay, <laughs> that one comes after X Factor fifty eight, sort of chronologically. So let's do X Factor fifty eight second to last.
0: Okay, that's that works for me. So let's start off with Excalibur number twenty eight.
1: Okay, this was sort of. I don't know if this is like if Chris Claremont's left the book or if there's just a couple of fill-in issues and he'll be back. The, um, this issue
0: this was, is um, it's, it's a fill-in issue.
1: For sure, but I, <laughs> is this the new team? I don't, I don't, or is Cliff Claremont coming back?
0: I don't know. I just don't know. And what's happening is that Captain Britain and Megan, uh, they've snuck out, which evidently has been a a thing. <laughs> we snuck out, and not even one of our teammates heard us. Which they're dating, so it it just seems weird, like. It wouldn't be just like, hey, we're, we're going to go hit the town. Y'all are on your own. But anyways. Uh, Emergency,
1: they, Captain Brennan <laughs> and Megan are gone. We have to go find them.
0: <laughs> and so they they go out on a date and uh, they decide to go to uh, an old haunt of Brian's called the Gilded Lady. It's a, it's a bar. And it turns out that today is the day that the bar is actually being sold. What a coincidence. Brian didn't know this. I think he did know this. Uh, well, maybe he did. Oh, I think you're right. It's like, oh, it's the last day. I think that's day. the whole
1: reason they're going.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, back in the college days, this is where he and the guys used to go. And uh, uh, so they 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 have a drink. And uh, Megan, or sorry, uh, Captain Britton uh, has stopped drinking because as we learned early on in the Excalibur run, Captain Britton's got a bit of an alcohol problem.
1: Yeah. And so he's quit. It's good that he's, he's learned his lesson. Well, he's learning his lesson. And- yeah. He's uh, not drinking, although the patrons of the bar do not appreciate a non-drinker, and they try, for some reason, they isolate the one guy that isn't drinking and try to get him to drink.
0: He orders a lemonade. Megan orders a beer. Megan heads off to the to the powder room, and everybody in the bar is like, Eww, look at the bloke drinking lemonade. <laughs> what are you, too good for us? You're not a man.
1: Have a toast with us. Drink 8,000 beers
0: it's it's really it's like pages upon pages and so finally megan comes up it's very aggressive it's uncalled for almost (laughs) Uh, uh megan comes out but she's taken on the uh appearance of captain britain and she's like i'm his brother oh toast and so she chugs down a beer and then she chugs down another beer and she might even chug down a third beer and then she's like oh, uh uh-oh, Brian, I might get sick all over myself.
1: And Brian's like, why am I weirdly attracted to you now? (laughs) You look just like me. I really
0: really want to make out with you for some reason. I don't know why. So then uh, a short, wide guy and a blonde woman show up, and their names are Cooter, she's the girl, unfortunate name for a girl, and Bash. This
1: feels like a song. Cooter and
0: Bash. I'd be, I think it'd be like Cooter and the Bash it was like a TV show from like the seventies. <laughs> Cooter it was and the, the Bash. Cooter and the Bash. It was a spinoff from the Dukes of Hazard. Where?
1: What is that Bob Dylan song? A monkey Man and uh, oh, I can't remember.
0: I don't know. Um, Tweeter and the Monkey Man. There you go. Cooter. Like Cooter, and, Cooter, Cooter the bash. and the Bash. <laughs> And and so it's Cooter from from the uh the Dukes of Hazard and now he's going on all these crazy side adventures that are a little less popular than, you know, the boys back in Hazard County, but he's got the Bash with him and the Bash is a monkey. <laughs> so it's Cooter driving around in his tow truck, got a monkey named Bash and they <laughs> go on all sorts of 80s, 80s styled uh crime-solving sprees. I like it. Yeah. We should pitch that to Netflix. <laughs> we want to make a show called cooter and the bash
1: they d- they're definitely looking for uh stuff just like that i hear
0: <laughs> it's throwback man it's retro
1: old throwback retro uh comedies with monkeys
0: yeah man. and we do it we, it's a period piece right so all the vehicles are from the 80s and we 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 we, we digitally film it of course to, to make it cheap but then we throw film grain all over it oh man <laughs> telling you we got this thing well, Cooter is here because she's got a power to make worthless things seem valuable. And she's got some rocks that she's trying to pass off as gold nuggets and people are but only to
1: the weak minded,
0: only to the weak minded and not creative or something like that. So we get a little disclaimer later on because Megan's like, why, why are they fighting all over those rocks? And the disclaimer is that Megan, we assume is very honest. And Brian's like, I don't know why they're fighting over those rocks. And then we get a disclaimer. Brian, on the other hand, once went insane when confronted with the reality of the occult, i.e. little or no imagination. Which, I like those two little dialogue boxes.
1: Yeah, it's a little wah-wah.
0: Yeah. Uh, And so there's, uh, you know, some fighting happens. And Megan's like, don't hurt my boyfriend. Uh, And really the only thing that happens of interest here is that Cooter, uh, well, turns Megan into a mer- maid or makes all the people see her as a mermaid. So they but start. Somehow
1: m- it actually turns her into a mermaid, does which it? is weird. Yeah. And then uh, she says, why is her power actually turning me into this? Does she have some sort of control over me?
0: And then she says, uh, well, oh, she's going to hurt me. Uh, I better turn into the one thing that she desires. So then she briefly turns into Brian and then she turns into Nightcrawler.
1: Not just Nightcrawler, but Nightcrawler in a very widely open robe.
0: Yeah, holding roses and and some champagne. And Megan's like, "Eh, it's all so confusing. And before Brian can see any of this, uh, he knocks Bash into Cooter, uh, knocking her power up. Bash is really upset and starts beating up on Captain Britain. Megan turns into a super strong woman, beats up Bash. uh, And the bar collapses But remember, the bar's been sold, and the guy that's buying the bar is there, and he's like, ooh, the the ink's not dry on the contract yet. We can tear this up. And the guy's like, oh, no, deal's done. But that's when Cooter makes the whole bar seem like bricks of gold. And that's when the bartender's like, oh, look, I'm tearing up the contract. It's all mine. But little does he know, all he owns is a pile of rubble. And Cooter gets away.
1: What a horrible story for this guy.
0: (laughs) You really end up feeling bar- bad for this bartender. He's kind of a jerk because when he thinks he got the money for this destroyed bar, he's like, oh, no, no, it's yours. But then when it looks like it's all gold.
1: How much do you – like how much gold does he have to think it is to tear up this contract? Because it seems like the contract – he describes it earlier as this is, they, they offered me a ton of money. But th- now he has gold. So he's like, well, well I want the gold, not the ton of money.
0: Well, I mean it's a, it's a big pile of gold.
1: I would have just stuck with my contract.
0: This is this is like, you know, yacht money. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's a, a, a fun issue, but uh, definitely a filler. Mm-hmm. Just looking ahead here. The next issue is not written by Chris Claremont. So who knows? Maybe
1: he's off the book. Maybe he's coming back in a couple of issues. He's taking a hiatus. I have no idea.
0: I feel like there is a point in time when when he's just done.
1: This, maybe we passed it, yeah how about no uh what's his name Alan uh, Davis, he's done. yeah, he's gone
0: yeah. uh what happened in Wolverine number thirty because I didn't read it
1: uh Wolverine number thirty was the conclusion of the Lazarus project in which we never really learn exactly what the Lazarus project is, or what the I don't know the the rock that was important to the Lazarus project, which I can't even remember the name of should be in the first couple of pages, though. Uh, Let's see. What does this guy say? These guys run in, and he says the master form. Okay. So we never find out what the Lazarus Project or the master form is, except somebody mentions that it has something to do with creating super soldiers, Mm -hmm. Uh, which everybody's got to have super soldiers. Uh, Wolverine and Karma and this target kid that they met up with uh, go back to Madripoor, and they invade the prince's castle where uh, her uncle, Karma's uncle, is, and the prince is left, and the Pinocchio monster, that uh, giant robot that attacked Wolverine in the part one of this, is there, and they have a rematch. And there's also this guy that's heading the project. He's called the Broker. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit later. It turns out that the giant robot, Pinocchio is actually the uh, target characters, the kid that they picked up on the island from the last issue's uh, kid brother, who they turned into a robot, which has something to do with the Lazarus Project. They're turning kids into robots. Okay. Oh, my God. Um, so Wolverine manages not to kill the robot because it turns out to be his brother, and they Karma's able to override him and get him to realize that he's a human being, and everybody's kind of sad about the whole thing. Uh, the best thing that happens in this issue is that karma stands up to her uncle and says no i'm not i'm not going to be your uh helper anymore i'm i'm in control of you now you will listen to me um you're a crime boss i don't like it so from this day forward like you're you're not in charge of me anymore so that's a good thing that happens i don't know when next we see karma is it might not be for a while actually i have the internet open right now let's take a look what does the internet say X-Men Premium Edition 1993 Number 1. Oh. So that's not for a while.
0: Well, soon they start, they dump the annual numbers and they go to this whole premium 93, 92, 94,
1: 95. Yeah, honestly, I don't even know what X-Men Premium Edition is. So it's like an annual? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting.
0: I feel like we've got maybe one, maybe two more numbered annuals and then they flip to just... X-Men 93, number one. X-Men 94, number two,
1: one. And then at some point they go back, right? Probably. Uh, nobody else in this issue ever appears in a Wolverine again. Um, so that's pretty much it that happens. Uh, the broker character that I mentioned who's running the whole thing some gets away in the end because I feel like they wanted to have him come back. But according to the internet, he does not. So, oh well. Sorry, the Broker see the list of appearances for the broker if it's more than one i'll be surprised oh no he was in part 1 of the lazarus project and part 4 of the lazarus project
0: <laughs> and that's
1: it and that's it okay so that's that character
0: uh well good so we're we're now into larry hammer um wolverine is it is it going to get good now uh, i think it takes a few issues to get good but yes nice oh well, maybe i'll try to read these tell me is it like G.I.
1: Joe not at all Oh, then I might not like it it's good though I mean what he's good at is introducing side characters that you learn to care about and and that I feel like is probably learned from G.I. Joe where he has to take a gazillion characters and make us care about them so he's good at that but he, he rides the Wolverine horse for quite a while like years and years and years how about Alpha Flight number eighty-eight? So Alpha Flight number eighty-eight uh, features the X Men's Forge.
0: It does in a Jim, Jim Lee cover.
1: Yeah, um, Fabian Nicieza is writing this one, and this this one will be interesting because uh, Marvel Comics Presents sort of ties in with this. Oh, does it? Yeah, weirdly. Hmm. Um. Oh, yes, it does. That's right. And we know yes. Fabian Nicieza is like Rob Liefeld's best friend at this point, which we're totally basing on one issue of New Mutants. <laughs> Fabian Nicieza also writing uh, New Warriors now. Oh. So he's like an up and coming writer. They gave him a lot of stuff to do. Okay. And soon he will be writing the X-Men.
0: I collected the New Warriors for a few issues.
1: You, he probably wrote those few issues. Probably did. If they were the early ones.
0: I, I think I have like the first like four or five issues, and I was like, yeah, okay. I'm done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he wasn't good enough to keep your adolescent self. He's probably not that good.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I think it was a time when anytime I saw a number one, I'd buy it, and then I'd buy like the subsequent issues, and then I'd realize like I'm spending too much money on comics.
1: <laughs> Nothing ever held you though? Not really, no. Wasn't any like deathlocks or.
0: Oh, deathlock held uh, me for a while. Uh, and Spider Man.
1: Sleepwalker. That's oh, the one. Um, who's the other guy? Darkhawk.
0: No, gosh, no. All those Image comics, no.
1: No, no. These are all Marvel comics. Oh, really? Yeah, these are all the the early '90s Marvels comics that lasted for maybe 20 to 30 issues. Wasn't
0: Night Thrasher? He was a he was a new New Warrior.
1: He was a New Warrior. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was the uh, the 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 New Wolverine or the new like super cool guy that everybody loves.
0: That ultimately nobody loved
1: that ultimately everybody forgot about.
0: (laughs) So, uh, alpha flight number 88 picks up right where alpha flight number 87 left off. The Elphins have caught wild child. Um, uh, what's her name?
1: Uh, Heather Hudson, Heather
0: Hudson. She, she is not happy that Wolverine is here because what this means is that he faked his own death, but didn't even tell Heather Hudson, one of his best friends that he was still alive.
1: And uh, he says, uh didn't didn't seem right to tell you. Yep. Sorry.
0: It seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. And uh so then they're like, Oh man, what are we gonna do with Wild Child? He stinks. Meanwhile, the other Alphans uh fight some weird
1: things and uh Yeah, they're searching for Puck. That's that's all you need to know about it. They find Puck. They eventually they eventually do find Puck and he's uh messed up. <laughs> it's all we really need to know.
0: He's super tall and he's got like mutated hands and legs. And I'm sure that'll go somewhere.
1: Well, remember Puck is, is yeah, not a, a tall short guy. person. He is a tall guy who's been shrunk by a, uh, some sort of talisman or something like that. Some sort of weird thing happened to him where he was shrunk.
0: So meanwhile, Heather Hudson and Wolverine go to a bar to, to catch up. And, uh, uh,
1: Wolverine has something going on where he's like losing his powers. Which I don't feel like it's gonna get resolved in this alpha flight thing, yeah, because it's never been brought up as far as I know, in anything outside of this, right, so um, I don't know, weird,
0: she's still bitter that that he didn't tell her that he was alive.
1: get over it,
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they want to give somebody a transfusion of Wolverine's blood.
1: Right, so they're think they're thinking that they're gonna transfer Wild Child's blood into oh, Wolverine, okay. and maybe that'll help his healing factor. So they decide to uh, bust uh, Wolverine out of, or uh, Wild Child out of jail. Meanwhile, the third plot is that uh, Forge is tasked to help out with this computer situation that I don't even really know what's going on.
0: It's interesting because it seems like it takes place right after like X Men Two Forty Four. Uh, where right after the Reavers have attacked, you got Forge, Amanda Sefton, uh, uh, Mar- Mary Friedlander, and Tom Corsi. They're all in their X Men uniforms. Banshee is there as well. And um, uh, who's the girl in like the top? Who's she?
1: Amanda Sefton. No, oh, the the, uh, the elfin is. uh <laughs> yeah. I forget what her name is.
0: Well, anyways, they show up like they're attacking the island, basically. And so these Diamond Lil, Diamond Lil, these X Men defend themselves um so it's kind of hard to tell like when this is taking place but i i am guessing this all takes place before banshee and forge head off to go get dazzler which they never do
1: i think so because they do reference uh they could be reavers or marauders or any of the other dozen other groups that are out to get us
0: so they uh yeah they want forge to do some computer thing and he agrees to
1: And that leads to discovering that James McDonald Hudson is still alive and at the source of their uh, computer problems. There's some sort of living being inside of the computer. Yep. I think that Forge would be a good uh, helper to, to figure that out.
0: It's a man who died over two years ago. It's Guardian. It's James McDonald Hudson.
1: And this is, according to the cover, the most shocking ending of the year. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yep. Guarantee this issue contains the most shocking ending of the year. And I guess if you're like an Alpha Flight fan, I don't even think
1: if you're an Alpha Flight <laughs> fan, this is like a shocking ending. <laughs> I don't know. I was like, oh, I'm bringing James McDonald Hudson back. Great. <laughs>
0: they're bringing, they're bringing Ronald McDonald back. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Heather Hudson's husband. <laughs> husband Hudson. So,
0: uh, yeah, I mean, again, whatever, uh, that's alpha flight number 88. So Marvel comics presents number 51.
1: So Marvel comics presents number 51 seems like it took place just before this issue where Wolverines walking around Canada. Okay. So this footnote (laughs) is written by (laughs) written, drawn and inked by Rob Liefeld. So this is,
0: this is great.
1: Like it was, it's so read, bad. It's good.
0: <laughs> yes, it read so fast, and the art was pretty out of
1: control. So the the first thing is that Wolverine is drunk. I think it's already established that Wolverine does not get drunk, but nobody told Rob Liefeld.
0: Whenever I don't think it's Rob Liefeld's fault. Like when any, whenever any other uh writer takes on Wolverine, they always get it wrong. And one of the things they get wrong is like, oh, he's drunk because they see in X-Men like, oh, he drinks beer. Yeah. But they miss the part of like healing factor keeps him from getting drunk, which is why he can drink all night.
1: And the thing about this like eight page story is that like all Rob Liefeld things that we've discussed so far, he's a, he's clearly a kid having a ball with playing with these things that he loves. And, uh, So, I mean, you think of yourself as like a 14 year old, uh, boy reading comics. You're like, I'm going to make Wolverine. He's like, he's going to be cool. He's going to be drunk because being drunk is cool. Yeah. He's going to be smoking because smoking is cool. He's going to fight this guy who's going to be cool. They're going to get into like this fight and then the other guy is going to escape and, uh, Wolverine's going to be wearing his patch for no apparent reason, but I think it's cool. And then, uh, I don't know. Alpha Flight stuff. You almost wonder,
0: like, where's the babe? Like, how come there's no babe in this issue?
1: Because that's all it's missing. Heather, Heather Hudson is the babe, but, yeah, she, there, there, there aren't any, like, poses of her. No, and they, they
0: play her up as, like, she's she's got a ponytail. she got glasses. She's reading. she's She's very smart and held together. She's not, like, sitting in her living room, like, in a bikini with, like, <laughs> too big of features. So that's all downplayed. Yeah, I just noticed about this.
1: This whole issue is is in uh except for the flashback, it's just in like thought thought dialogue. None of it is spoken dialogue. You get Wolverine's thoughts as he encounters Wild Child, and then you get Heather Hudson's thoughts as she's concerned that Wild Child is loose. And then you get a flashback where you actually get exercise where it's, or you, you exercise, you get, uh, they're doing exercise training, you get a, uh, uh, some dialogue where wild child is a punk and
0: I like how Wolverine's claws are like longer than his arm in this training <laughs> simulation.
1: It's I like how he's wearing his yellow and blue costume. Yep. That's a cool that's, touch. That's, that's good. It's right. It's good job. Yep. It's got that detail, right? his claws are ridiculous huh? even in the last page where he's like oh i Be love this last what you page. get for you might just get it. it they're they're ginormous
0: i love this it's <laughs> it's wolverine it's it's rainy or something or windy it's it's moody he sticks his hand out the claws come out towards the screen he's got kind of it's not a rictus grin it's just kind of like a it it it's a very uh effective kind of like I don't even want to call it an evil smile. Like he really was able to capture an emotion with how he drew this face, which is something I normally when Rob Liefeld draws people, they're they're usually like got their mouths wide open or they're gritting their teeth. And this is like really reserved and kind of realistic of like a cocky guy who's like, Be careful what you wish for, you might just get it. But it's not over the top. Everything else is. But there's just something about that face that's like that's that's a really good face.
1: Weirdly, he is no longer wearing the eye patch.
0: No, well, he forgot that. <laughs> His arm's a little messed up if you pay too close of attention, but you know, if you kind of just glance at that, it's it's I like it's
1: a good pinup. It Looks like the eye patch comes on and off throughout the fight anyway, so I guess so it doesn't.
0: I think the takeaway for this is like Wolverine knows Wild Child from a previous life. Uh, In Department H. In Department H. And uh, Wild Child was a bit of a punk. Wolverine's trying to train him, I guess. Uh, And at the beginning of the story, we see that Wild Child is elevated his skills or whatever, is able to get the jump on Wolverine to a degree.
1: Which takes place presumably right before the end of Alpha Flight 87, where Wolverine brings Wild Child in. Yeah. So now we get to see... How that happened, which I have to admit, I was really wondering. How did <laughs> how did Wolverine capture a uh, wild child? This this was something I needed to know.
0: Sadly, the rest of Marvel Comics presents number fifty one is uh, not interesting.
1: Not X Men related. I mean, if you're into, I don't even remember what it was. Comet Man, like it. Comet Man
0: or La Peregrine <laughs> and Iron Man.
1: Yeah, the the Comet Man thing is kind of interesting the other two i can't even remember
0: all right so that takes us to x factor number 58
1: which featuring a vampire angel on the cover about to eat uh, bite the neck of jonesy cop lady officer jones
0: yeah uh the issue's not
1: good (laughs) Uh. okay moving on
0: (laughs) uh the issue is not good they the, the, the vampires have, have Angel strung up on like this big ankh and they're going to, I think, like devour his spirit soul or whatever and they want his powers and his anger and, and all of that stuff. And X-Factor.
1: So, so they want to turn him into one of them because like he killed – like the whole thing is he killed one of the vampires. Mm. Therefore, according to their rights, he has to become the replacement for that vampire and be one of these – vampires. So that's they're setting up this that scenario. But the uh the the thing that only we know is that Crimson who is the main vampire that we've been connected with uh is going to betray all the rest of the vampires and become the most powerful vampire ever by st- stealing archangel's powers yeah. and then killing them all.
0: Which I think has been her plan all along and I think she's yeah. kind of alluded to that throughout the previous uh issues. Uh meanwhile, the other vampires are having their way pretty much with uh, with Iceman and Cyclops, uh, Banshee and Forger here, by the way. Um, Jean is able to protect herself, and I, I'm not sure really what happens, but um, they save the day. Like, there's a big explosion that I don't quite understand why it happens.
1: They have to kill all the vampires, which is an interesting choice. Um the only way to kill these vampires is to either behead them or crush their heads, oh. and so they do that. So she crushes
0: Headhunter's—I guess that's his name—head with the giant onk.
1: Yeah, he—he's like the—he's the oldest one, and he's like the leader one. Okay. So the giant onk that Archangel was previously hanging off of, uh, like the cross, uh, crushes his head, and all the rest of the vampires turn into dust after that.
0: So this is where like. I don't know if I want to call it interesting, but Forge is able to remove some poison, uh, and that's what's been affecting Angel this whole time, is this poison uh, in his system, uh, kind of reverting him to an evil state or whatever. He gets it out, um, and Angel confides in Charlotte Jones, like, hey, like you helped me. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. And he's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, even when the poison was wearing off. Like I really wanted to like, I wanted to be that person, but your kindness snapped me out of it. So yeah, thanks.
1: So Angel knew Crimson's plan of taking him over. And he was like, I want, I want that to happen. I want to, I want to die. I want to have this life done with me, but your goodness yep, is what turned me around. And I couldn't let her kill you. And I also didn't want to be, I wanted to stay alive I guess. Uh
0: so hopefully next issue things get a little bit back to normal. This issue was a little this issue was rough. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the art is was not great. The story uh,
1: the art isn't terrible. It's again it's it's less than less than good, but <laughs> not not horrible. Um Beast is like shifts in shapes and size. I kind of like I kind of like Beast in this cuz he's just uh, he's really beast-like. Yeah, but everybody else, I could take or leave.
0: Yeah, and I just didn't care about this whole vampire story. Uh, there's a letter. Oh, um, really? I just saw the words Heathcliff or Elf, and I was like, well, that's interesting-looking, but it's an answer so to a question, and I'm not sure what the question is. So, the in this issue, there's a letter that's answered with the words Heathcliff and Elf. So you got that to look forward to if you want to pick Heathcliff. up this issue,
1: and Elf or Elf.
0: Uh, The response is Heathcliff or Elf.
1: Okay. What do you think the question is?
0: Uh, I don't know. Something about Wolverine and somebody else.
1: You don't think it's about uh, Garfield?
0: I wish. (laughs) So that takes us to Marvel Fanfare number 50, which at first I was like, I don't want to read this because it's
1: really (laughs) long. It's like 36 pages. Marvel Fanfare is quite long. Usually it's broken up into two stories, but this one wasn't.
0: This one you you do get your little you get a one page uh, Al Milgram story yeah. joke maybe, uh, so I was like kind of flipping ahead like good God where's the second story, oh my God I don't think there's a second story and I got like twenty five <laughs> pages in I'm like there's not a second story, it is gonna be long but the interesting thing is is despite that many pages uh, there's some real writing restraints towards the middle of the book and the beginning of the book. It's pretty wordy.
1: Um, I feel like the beginning and the end are kind of set up in conclusion to the, I feel like maybe there was two stories here and one was the, all the middle, Mm. the flashback.
0: Oh, and And you think the front and the back were bolted
1: on. That's what it feels like. I don't have anything to prove that except for the conclusion seems to tidy everything up really slickly. Um
0: there's also a shift in art. Okay. I think the first page is different than the rest. I'm going to look at yeah and then the last pages are also different than the middle. A little bit more square and blocky. So you might be right. So this might have been like a thrown away X factor issue. Who knows. But anyways, let's I guess let's let's uh let's dig in and talk about it so i think you're right this takes place after the events of what we just read in x factor so the x factor building is looming large in manhattan uh archangel is kind of like looking out of a window maybe pondering everything that's been going on and uh beast and iceman are like hey warren we got to talk about Cressida dresford cressy and angels like (laughs) cressy and iceman's like oh man he really knows her and then Angel's like, well, tell me about it. And so that's when we flash into what I think is probably a, an issue of something. And it's, a, it's an Angel story. Um, Angel it probably,
1: is. Probably was a fill in issue of, of X Factor.
0: Probably. So they flash back to uh, right after Angel commits suicide. No, it's. Yeah, it's right after Angel commits suicide. Um, and, and, uh, Arcade has been hired to, was originally hired to bring Angel in and kill him for Cressy. Um, but now that he's dead, like, he can't. Meanwhile, he and Miss Locke are like, look at those exterminator guys. They're clearly X-Factor. That's clearly Cyclops, Scott Summers. I know these people. It's weird that mutants are hunting mutant hunters, or... Mutants are being mutant hunters.
1: Which is fun. I like that Arcade has it all figured out.
0: Absolutely. And this whole Cressida person is like, That's, I don't understand. Like, Why would they attack mutants? Uh, they're bad. We should do something about it. And apparently Cressy is super rich, so she's like, I don't know. Why don't you take out a few of them?
1: Yeah, since she originally wanted to take out Angel, but now that Angel's gone, she decides to take out two of his friends.
0: So we flash into the old X-Factor headquarters, which was a warehouse on the the bay, and uh, we see Hank as, as human Hank, and uh, Artie is there, and um, Skids is there, and Rusty isn't.
1: But he's mentioned, because he was making popcorn in the other room.
0: Yeah, some popcorns flick in, and they're like, what's Rusty doing? Is he out of control?
1: He was trying to make popcorn and his flame got a little out of hand. Ah!
0: Artie is super sad about the angel being dead, thinking a little bit about Gene, and uh, we get a a little bit of uh, a conversation around the Marauders, that angel saved Artie's life, and Artie feels bad, but then Artie, his little projections change to a little boy with wings, and they're like, what's that? And then they look out the window and there's a little boy with wings!
1: Uh Uh-oh, tell me I'm seeing things. And then the little boy disappears, and they decide to go follow it. Uh, Skids, you guys stay behind.
0: Yeah. So it's just Beast and Iceman are going to go check this out. Everybody else kind of hang tight, wait for Cyclops and Jean to come home. uh, And they head off into a back alley, and the doors close, and that's when Murder World starts. And Miss Locke's like, all right, everybody, you know the drill. You're in Murder World, so you're going to die soon.
1: Yeah, it's a classic murder world, but it's not a very mellow low-key murder world. This is Yeah, there's no it's just like lasers and fire and <laughs> trap doors. There's no like gigantic marbles or Yeah,
0: no, no pinball tables or or X-bots or anything like that. It's it's a very subdued murder world.
1: This is like a low-budget murder world. Yeah.
0: Well, Cressida, you know, she's rich, but she's not like stupid rich, she's
1: not that rich.
0: <laughs> so then we get this really interesting story where she starts as as Beast and Iceman are fending off Murder World. She thinks to herself of like, oh man, I knew Warren from when we went to school. I was so into superheroes and I wanted to meet one. And, uh, and then one day I saw this boy flying around and he had wings and I realized it was Warren and I fell in love with him. And we met, one thing led to another, and I got pregnant. <laughs> and right here I'm like, oh my goodness. This is huge. And this is where I, I got hooked into the story. I was like, I want to know more about this. Like, I want this to be a thing <laughs> that, like, for some reason, like I, I never knew about, but just kind of exists in in kind of you know the background of, of all of the angel stories. But but yeah, uh, she couldn't tell her parents because you know what's she going to do? Tell her parents that she was with uh, a mutant. So instead, she said like, oh, I don't know who it was. I don't know who the father was.
1: Shit, there have been so many boys. It could have been any one of them.
0: <laughs> which opens up like a whole new thing to unpack of like, <laughs> what is the Marvel Universe doing? Like sh- this thing sort of, this thing happens certainly in real life. But wow, this is not something that you normally talk about in your comic book, which maybe is why this was an X-Factor issue where the editor was like, nope, <laughs> we're not doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so then, you know, she she had a baby and it was Angel's baby. Uh and then so she we flip back to to Murder World. And that's why she's like, I, I needed to kill Angel because how could the father of my son who's a mutant who I loved be a mutant hunter and bankrolling mutant hunters? So, uh right, it's plausible. I'm in. Okay, sure. <laughs> so meanwhile some some more Murder World stuff happens. This boy with wings is flying around and uh they're like, Oh, we uh we need to
1: he keeps getting involved in yeah. Iceman and Beast's adventures and being like, these guys aren't that bad. I should really help them out. And eventually mom has to go down and collect her son.
0: Well, she keeps telling him, like, y- you got to like go to the rendezvous point. Like And Arcade's like, don't worry about the boy, Murder World's programmed not to, to hurt him. He just he just needs to stay out of the way and he'll be fine. But, but as you say, yeah, he's
1: absolutely like, I don't know. These guys aren't as evil as mom says. And eventually she, you know, like a mother would, although a mother probably wouldn't have sent her child out in the, into New York City alone on, on, on wings to collect some X-Men. <laughs> but anyway, assuming a mother would do that, uh, she, t- she finally had enough. She goes down into Murder World herself to collect her child because she's worried about him. And Arcade says, like, I, yep. you go down there, I can't be responsible for you anymore.
0: Yep. So she doesn't care. Uh, mother's love knows no bounds.
1: She collects her child, and her child's like, Mom, you're, like, wrong. These guys are totally cool. And she's like, no, you go. And she talks to Beast for a little bit. She talks to Iceman for a little bit. Figures out for herself that, yeah, all right. I guess X Factor isn't so bad. How how could you guys do what you do, which is hunt mutants? And then they kind of have to explain what X Factor is. Sorry, we don't really do what we say we do. Our PR sucks.
0: (laughs) Right. Uh, and then they say, why is it so personal to you? Are you a mutant? And she says, a mutant lover is more like it, and my son Dominic is the son of a mutant, the angel. And then uh, Beast or, or Iceman is like, are you telling me that the kids' wings are real? What, are you joking me? Of course not. They're a mechanical, just a gimmick. My original plan was to lure war in here. I really just wanted to use it as a spectacular.
1: And that's her. So, So she just said that Warren was her like the father of her child. Now she's backing off that, saying like, it's it's a weird twist. First she's like, Dominic is the son of a mutant, the angel, and then she says, oh, but those wings they are fake.
0: Right, right. So so at this point you're like, okay, well, still there's still some stuff to unpack here. Of angels got a son, who who may or may not have mutant powers, but they don't involve wings. They're mechanical. Well, that's weird. <clears throat> so then you uh you keep going and um beast is like well are you sure that angels the father and uh and she's like well it had to have been him and he's like what makes you so sure he's like well right after war and i well i also met mimic and the submariner and they we uh and either of them could have been i can tell you a woman can sense these things <laughs> and so this is where i like oh my gosh like really like this is like a, this is a uh what's the name of that Marilyn manson album that's censored Uh, star Effer, She's a mutant groupie. Yeah. Which is crazy. Now this is this whole thing is just getting crazy. Meanwhile, they realize it's getting hard to breathe. Um,
1: Iceman thinks to himself irresponsible flake, (laughs) just Warren's type. Yep, Which is kind of mean.
0: Yep. Uh, Mom, if those are friends of my daddy, I don't want them to get hurt. So, so you should get them out of there. Uh, And eventually they, they do get out oh uh, Arcade's like well what's it going to be I get paid either way right and she's like fine let him out so they all get out and Arcade's like I'm going to blow this place up in five minutes so you should probably get out of here
1: so to sort of uh, Arcade kind of wins in this one yeah he gets paid Arcade yeah finally it's paid he would have probably killed some mutants for the first time ever
0: and so that's when the story wraps up and Beast is like well anyway that's the story and Angel's like
1: Well, no, because the last thing Arcade hears is she's like, go put on your special jacket to her son, Oh, the one that hides everything, because if anybody ever finds out you really do have wings, we'll be in big trouble. Right. So this is where I think the story ends and we're supposed to be like, oh, so Angel just has like a child in the Marvel Universe. He's dead now. So that's weird.
0: Yeah. So the, the twist of the twist is that the boy who is Angel's son, who has fake wings, actually has real wings. Yeah. And so...
1: But the twist of the twist of the twist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so then Angel says, oh, poor her. Well, sh-
1: she's crazy. Yeah, she's 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 super crazy.
0: Yeah, we went to the dance once. There, there was teacher chaperoning. Nothing really happened. Uh, I joined the X-Men. She got married to a guy. They loved each other. I was at their wedding.
1: They were really into mutants.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were into mutants. They they had a son. son was perfectly normal. But then they got into genetic engineering and birds. And so they genetically engineered some wings for their son.
1: Uh, by dosing him into bits of radiation, which is the only way in the Marvel Universe you know how to create mutation. Right. Uh, unfortunately, well, the and the, father, the, the neat
0: thing here is that uh, Angel is getting letters, and he's wearing like his Avenging Angel's costume. So you can kind of put this in time uh, as to, yeah. to when this relationship is occurring,
1: which is kind of a neat touch. All of this stuff is like early, early X Men. It's 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 interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we get the dark side of the story, where it turns out that the child and the father were over radiated And the child dies, (laughs) and the son is going to die. Um, and Warren's just been paying his bills.
0: Well, the child, the the husband dies of radiation poisoning, and it's inevitable that the son will die at some point. But the son doesn't know it, and Cressy is so distraught or I don't know.
1: She, she's upset, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't want to face reality essentially. She's
0: made up a reality. Um, If her husband died due to radiation poisoning, it would mean that she inflicted radiation poisoning on her son. Therefore, if she can just blame everything on Angel and say that her boy is Angel's son, then her boy is a mutant and everything is okay.
1: Right. So she does that in her head. Uh, Warren feels guilty and has been paying their bills uh, up until the point where he dies, where he stops paying the bills. And that's, he suspects, is why Cressy wanted to get revenge because the bills were no longer being paid. But uh, he's going to make sure that the bills are covered again and Dominic's taken care of till it's time for him to fly with a better kind of angels than me. (laughs) Finn. (laughs) Dark.
0: That story was crazy. (laughs) Um, Every twist and turn of that story... I was like, "What? I want to know more."
1: So. It, it feels like a story that they just they they decided let's let's put this story out, but we uh, since we this isn't canon, we need to make sure we can paint ourselves out, right? Uh, it, and it's pretty much painted into a corner, but we're gonna like drill a hole in the wall so that you can escape through the the house, and they just kind of retcon the whole story. So interesting.
0: Yeah, well, I mean. They clearly couldn't. It's the '90s. It's the Comics Code. They couldn't have some um, mutant groupie. Uh, well, they could. I mean, uh, with think about Angel's it, the, son running around. Think about
1: that annual with Miss Marvel, uh, where it turns out that she's like being abused by this guy, and she's gets pregnant with his child, and the child turns out to be him. Um, so he just impregnated her with himself. And the Avengers eventually are like, okay, with all that, uh, we covered all that.
0: No, that that's true. And and interestingly enough uh, for, I don't know, maybe it was because of the story or for other reasons. I was just thinking about how dark that particular story was. So you're right. Uh, maybe the difference is, is that it's not like, like Cyclops isn't the guy that impregnant impregnated her yeah. with himself. Um
1: Yeah, I, I suppose you can <laughs> really. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. It's I don't know. Somebody somebody nicked it though, and uh <laughs> and they retconned it in order to publish it. And it's interesting. It exists as as an interesting thing that is interesting in both both halves of it.
0: I love I mean, taking it just as like that could have been maybe uh, a post suicide uh, angel suicide issue is interesting in and of itself. Um, I can see it what, could be
1: that they were they were painting like this is Angel's son. This is the legacy of Angel. Right. Uh, he's not going to come back. We're gonna we're gonna start following his son around. Maybe that was a thought. Who knows? Maybe. Uh,
0: but I think I feel like the wraparound retcon. Is just as interesting, if not more interesting, than the rest of Absolutely the story. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it works on both levels. It's 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 sublime. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go.
1: This is what we do, folks. We uh, we bring these obscure, weird stories to your light in case you in case you haven't experienced them.
0: Every now and again, you know, just one of these these diamonds kind of surfaces, and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> uh, and most of the time, it's like, oh, God, that's another 36 pages of n- meaningless garbage I get to read.
1: That's our favorite kind of garbage. <laughs> that's the stuff we're trying to give away on Patreon. <laughs> well,
0: there you go. There you have it. Uh, Woo.
1: <laughs> Woo, indeed.
0: You got anything else, Adam?
1: No, that's it. Uh, until next time, my name's Adam.
0: My name's Jeremy.
1: The danger room is closed. <laughs>